Hello, I'm Kelly McGinnis, and welcome back to our now third episode of AIM HR Solutions monthly podcast series, Tales from the Hotline. Our goal is to share relevant and timely information with you about general themes we are hearing via the AIM employer hotline. Last month, we talked about Juneteenth and OSHA safety. This month, we're shifting gears and focusing on managing people in remote and hybrid workplaces and seasonal hiring programs. So let's dive in. First, let me welcome back my colleagues, Sarah Piscatelli and Tom Jones. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Tom. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Nice to be back. It is nice to be back, and it's really hot here right now. Uh, can you believe we've already done three of these? Uh, I have to admit, I have only been two. I inherited this, um, and I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of it. Um, it's very informative, and Tom, let's start with questions for you. Can you share with us what is happening to workplaces now that COVID regulations have been lifted? Are the companies you speak with all remote, fully back in person, or are you seeing more moving towards a hybrid model? And what does that look like? Thank you, Kelly. Keeping in mind that the evidence is anecdotal, coming as it does from discussions at roundtables and on the hotline that both Sarah and myself are having with members, we're beginning to see a few themes. Some workplaces are remaining remote with this possible return work date, Labor Day or thereabouts. That comes up most frequently with members that are downtown and central cities where the employees may be reliant upon the T or the public transportation, and may be still hesitant about returning to work. The two other approaches, being back fully or hybrid model, are becoming more and more prevalent. Firstly, it's important to remember that many AIM members continue to operate throughout the entire pandemic working fully staffed or perhaps slightly hybrid. And in many cases, the people at those companies that were using uh, FFCRA benefits are to be out of work with things like childcare to take them home. Otherwise, they were working full-time in the office or the workplace. Many of the continuously operating companies, especially in manufacturing or logistical-related activities, have been open since the beginning of the pandemic, and it's no real change for them. There are some other companies that are moving toward hybrid, beginning to call back a larger and larger portion of their workers, but due to pandemic-related circumstances, they still have some employees working remotely. Yet other employers are starting to grapple with this issue of employees requesting to work remotely, even as the workplace officially reopens. That's very interesting. Managing a hybrid or remote team sounds like it could be tricky. Sarah, have you seen any issues arising from this new way of doing business? We have heard from a number of companies that their requirement that all employees return to in-person work is being met with some resistance. Most employers have given plenty of advance notice to allow employees the time to transition back to the workplace. A hybrid model is more complicated if some employees are on site and others remote for all or part of the time. Employees are sure to raise issues of fairness. There are practical questions related to remote work, such as applicability of Massachusetts law to an out-of-state remote worker. There may also be questions of pay equity. For example, should two employees doing the same job, one of whom is in the office in Boston, the other who lives two hours away in a much lower cost of living area, be paid the same salary? And of course, managers will face difficulties in supervising and managing their employees. Employee engagement and morale can decline in a widely distributed workforce. Interpersonal problems, including harassment and discrimination, are much harder to recognize and address in a remote or hybrid environment. I'd like to pick up briefly on Sarah's final point about in an in-person workplace, it can be challenging enough to identify harassment-related behavior. 
With remote employees, it can be even more challenging as those employees may feel less comfortable and they're less connected or you know, unsure about how to bring up a complaint about a would-be wrongdoer, causing that wrongdoer to be able to get away with that behavior much longer or making the investigation much more difficult to manage. It's really important to convince your employees that they should be following regular company practices and speaking up when they believe something's going on. Thanks, team. Sounds like a lot to unpack. For the audience who would like more information on this, keep checking the AIM HR Solutions website. We'll be sharing some information on new training around the topic of managing hybrid and remote teams. Sarah, one member asked, I'm looking for some information about the seasonal employment program operated by the Massachusetts Department of Unemployment Assistance. Do you have any specific information about the program? Sure, Kelly. The Department of Unemployment Assistance has a seasonal employment certification program for employers that can provide an employer financial relief at certain times of the year by reducing or eliminating unemployment insurance costs for certain groups of employees. Participating employers are able to operate without paying unemployment insurance taxes for covered seasonal employees. The Massachusetts Unemployment Insurance Law, that's Mass General Laws Chapter 151A, defines a seasonal employer as one that, because of climatic conditions or the nature of the product or service, customarily operates all or a functionally distinct occupation within its business only during a regularly recurring period or periods of fewer than 20 weeks for all seasonal periods during a calendar year. This only includes employers who voluntarily apply to the program. Note that this does not just apply to businesses that operate only in the summer. A busy season might be at another time of year. The burden is on the employer to show that the operation of the business is a functionally distinct or, dis functionally distinct or completely seasonal operation. Any employer interested in applying for the program must do so at least 60 days prior to the beginning of the season. So that would not be, say, available for this summer season. The statute defines a seasonal employee in the following terms. That's an employee who has been employed by a certified seasonal employer in seasonal employment during a regularly recurring period or periods of fewer than 20 weeks in a calendar year, and the employee has been hired for a specific temporary seasonal period, and the employee has been notified in writing at the time hired or immediately following the seasonal determination by the department, whichever one is later. Next, the, employee, the individual is performing services in seasonal employment for a seasonal employer. And finally, the individual's employment is limited to the beginning and ending dates of the employer's seasonal period. It falls right within that, the, the beginning and ending dates. This relatively little known program can be a big help to employers if successfully navigate the rather complicated application process. It also a useful tool in reopening if you can demonstrate your company meets the necessary criteria. Now for our next topic, recruiting has been tough, so companies are looking into new and innovative ways for hiring and managing their workplace through work share programs, seasonal programs, and the earnings disregard program. An example may help. An individual receives $600 a week on unemployment insurance. When participating in the earnings disregard program, the individual may earn gross wages of up to $200 a week. The individual will be able to add together the $600 benefit, the $200 earnings, which is the one-third, and retain the $300 a week federal UI supplement until that program expires in early September while continuing to work for you on a part-time basis. The WorkShare program, on the other hand, is designed to help employers avoid layoffs by enabling an employer to reduce some or all employees' work schedules while letting them collect UI benefits 
to offset the impact of the reduction in hours. One of the most important qualifying rules for this program is that the employer must have a positive UI trust fund balance. There's more detailed information on both of these programs on the DUA website, including how to apply for them, or you can also find them by entering the name of either program in a search engine, or you can always call the hotline and ask for more detailed information about how to access them. This is all great information, Sarah and Tom. Thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners learned something new today. And speaking of today, today is July 1st, which commences the Workforce Training Express Grant Application season. So be on the lookout for our beautiful catalog that's one-stop shopping for everything you need. It, the catalog will show you how to apply for the grant and tell you all of our trainings that are eligible for the grant. Uh, with that said, I want to thank you for your time and be sure to stay tuned for next month's podcast. In the meantime, stay connected. And Kelly mentioned two other programs in her introduction, the Earnings Disregard Program and the Workshop Program. Let me take those two up in turn, starting with the Disregard Program. The Earnings Disregard Program encourages employers to hire unemployed individuals on a part-time basis without jeopardizing their UI benefits for the short term, that is, while they're continuing to collect benefits. The long-term intent of the program is to encourage those employers to hire those employees back into the regular workforce as full-time employees as demand for the business's product picks up and have had a positive experience with that worker. In a nutshell, the employee may earn up to one-third of their UI benefits. Earnings are above one-third or offset in a dollar-for-dollar basis. Uh, by following us on social media or visit our website at www.aimhrsolutions.com. Thank you.